0: Hello and welcome to another two network match report. with Me Adam. It's finished at St James's Park. It's finished at Newcastle United three, Southampton one. Wow, what a performance from the Spaniard! Really, really came up trumps today. Like we had an absolutely, I mean, absolute game of two halves. Full cliche there, but it, it, we were dreadful second half. Very, I mean, all elements were really, really similar to the to the Crystal Palace match where we sort of to dominate and create loads of chances first half, but just completely got got overrun or just fell apart you know whatever the game plan was just didn't go right in the second half but we kept southampton at bay who again they're fighting for their lives as well but it it, ultimately it puts us on 41 points temporarily 12th in the league although I, i fully suspect that to change once people catch up to 35 games like we have um but you know as things stand at time of recording we are 10 points clear of cardiff um at I mean, I was convinced after Leicester that was survived, and and now it's probably mathematically sound if Cardiff don't win. So really, really delighted. It was a wonderful sunny Saturday on a bank holiday weekend. Nice evening fixture. There was a real buzz around the ground. You could tell people had been out drinking all afternoon. They brought that atmosphere into the stadium. Um, and I thought it was just it was just a really really enjoyable afternoon. I mean, this like I say. The first half more than the second half. I mean, the second half was, as I said, it was pretty atrocious, really, and we really lost control. Having really dominated Southampton in that first that that first half, and I mean, look at the look at the team sheet, no real surprises at all. Um, three amigos up front, as you would expect. Manquillo kept his players ahead of Yedlin. Um, Manquillo did canny against Leicester, so it would have been a shock to see him usurped by the American. And um, <clears throat> Dummett kept his place as well as expected, and 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 yeah, key, key and Hayden in the middle. You know, l- looking at the Southampton team, it was only kind of Nathan Redmond who, for me, seemed like a da- a potential danger man. You know, f- you know our defense was able to you know keep a clean sheet at the King Power against the likes of Vardy and, and Madison, Madison one of the highest chance creators in the league, the pace of Harvey Barnes who scored today actually, um, Demarai Gray. You know they've got a great. Uh, dynamic forward line and we managed to keep them at bay in, on their own back garden. so I was you know even despite that threat of Redmond I was I was still very very convinced that we would do enough to, 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 to hold steady against the Southampton side which had sort of had resurgent form under Hassan recently but you know big ask big big ask to come up against our defence um, and against you know Fifty odd thousand raucous drunken Geordies on a on a sunny bank holiday. You know, there was so much. There's so many positive vibes in that stadium. It was it was really fantastic, really really enjoyable. Um, but I mean, as much as Southampton were the ones who kind of take t- the game for the first sort of like five ten minutes, they settled in quicker. You know, the first real talking point of the game. Um, and again, I haven't seen any replays. I've just got home. I've seen any replays. I don't not know. Maybe I'm not fully versed on the rules. I'm sure we'll be told on social media and possibly on Match of the Day or wherever you're watching your highlights. But <clears throat> Southampton corner, we break away and you've got Almiron and another attacker. Couldn't tell you who it was possibly Perez, or another attacker. Um, seemingly, it doesn't really redundant for this story. And James Ward-Prowse is standing just ahead of the halfway line. as he's seen it? Um, and Almiron. He's b- breaking free, and obviously, you know, he's he, alongside Redmond, potentially Bertrand. You know, the f- fastest kid on the pitch. You know, and he's knocked it past past James o. prowse Now, James Ward-Prowse <coughs> is a player I admire. I, th- I think he's, fan- I think he's a fantastic footballer. Great technique, great uh, free kick and uh, set piece deliverer. But again, I haven't seen a replay of this. But from from when I was sitting, he intentionally and very recklessly went out to just stop Almiron in his tracks at any cost. And, and, and you think about that, I mean, for a start, I mean, again, without knowing, without having the FA rules right in front of us, he is he's the last man. If Almiron gets past him, as he really, as legally should have been able to, it's then two attackers on one goalkeeper for Newcastle. Like, we're, we're away. We are absolutely away. There's no other defenders anywhere, like within 30, 35 yards of Almiron if, he's a, if he gets past Ward Prowse, which he should have been able to do, but for a, a, an unceremonious foul, which, to be honest, with, with, with Miguel Almiron running at that pace, at that velocity, and someone just coming into him, intentionally, I had no, I had absolutely, it was so malicious. There was absolutely no intent to play that ball whatsoever. Wipes him out. I mean, is that, is that not last man? And a clear goal-scoring opportunity, two-on-one? And the one being a goalkeeper, you know? And it's a yellow card. And, and I just, and I mean, the bench is losing their minds. Rafa is going ballistic. I think yeah, Mikel Antier got sent to the stands because of his remonstration with the linesman. But again, maybe there is some rule that says if you're in your own half, it doesn't class as like a, a clear goal-scoring opportunity. But if that is the case, if the referee has indeed played to the letter of the law, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt in this because I just don't know, then the rules need changing because surely every, you can still have the rule of last man and clear goal scoring opportunity without the need to caveat that with, but it has to be in their heart, like in the attacking half, because what's happened is that if that is the rule, then Ward Prowse has absolutely manipulated those laws to his own advantage, and he, he could have broken a rib, man. He could have broken one of Almeron's ribs. Such was the, the intent, and he just got in his way. Honestly, absolutely appalling. Again, I might see the replay and have a completely different uh, point of view on this, but I was, I was absolutely furious. I was stood up shouting at the referee. That's last, At last, man, it's a clear goal scoring opportunity because it puts Almiron one-on-one with the keeper with a player to pass to as well. Like, we were, th- we were absolutely through, but it's a yellow card. And it blows me mind. Like if in those situations, surely the rules have to give the referee discretion to consider the context of every like situation. You can't just black and white say, "Oh, but it's not like an offside; it can only happen in their half." Because that wasn't. Imagine there was no goalkeeper. The goal. Imagine the goalkeeper was up for a co- for that corner. There was nobody in net. Ward Prowse's last man. Does and he hacks him down the same. Is that still a yellow card, even though it's an open net? Like what are the rules? It, it just seems. If they are the rules and the referee has done right by only giving a yellow card, then I think the wording of those laws needs to be changed. Um, Unfortunately, um, the FA don't watch this podcast or uh, video or listen to this podcast, so it's unlikely that my rant is going to have absolutely zero. In fact, it will have zero effect. Um, on any outcomes of FA Law moving forward from this point but it feels better to get off my chest, people. Do you agree? What do you think? Put it in your comments below. Tell me what you think, how you interpret it. How wrong am I to rant about it because that's the letter of the law. But for me, it just, it just seems daft. And from, from that point onwards, it seemed to set a bit of a precedent. I mean, we, we particularly saw this in the second half. It set a culture of whereby like it, because the, that yellow card threshold was then so high, it was for something quite severe. Like the referee then kept his cards in his pockets for a lot of the game. Where and I'm not saying like Southampton were very hacky, but they were a little bit hacky because they knew they could get away with it. Because they knew that if that was only a yellow card, then anything below that probably isn't yellow card. I mean, ultimately, Elmeron went off because he got a push in. You got a push in the back, and he was hacked from behind, and and he, and he limped off. And he, that might be a season over. I don't know. Shea. So we went in late on him, um, but I think it was, you know, maybe he pulled a hamstring. But again, this culture of of, of 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 there not being a deterrent, you know, in terms of like serious discipline, you know, serious discipline, uh, you know, repercussions for, for dangerous challenges and reckless challenges. That meant that Southampton did give us a bit of a kicking and then Hayden went off, I believe, with a bit of a knock as well. So we've suffered there because the referee set a very dangerous precedent that didn't, it didn't punish what I just thought was a blatant... It's just a red card. And, sh- and if it's not a red card by the letter of the FA Law, it bloody should be. Because Almiron could have... He could have had a bust nose, broken nose, broken ribs, whatever. The sheer pace and velocity of him meant that if, when he stops dead, that's going to hurt. And like I say, this is coming from a Ward-Prowse fan. I really like him, but that was cynical. And that had... took into You know, it didn't... There was no regard for Almiron's safety. But... As we saw with the Everton game, with the injustice that Jordan Pickford stayed on the pitch as well, Newcastle used that energy, that, 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 that sense of injustice to, 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 to let the football do the talking. And that was the motivation. I mean, the, the, the decibels rose after that decision. And with, 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 within minutes, you know, tackles were flying in. And I remember Hayden won a very, very important tackle in the middle of the park. It came to Jose Perez back to goal and he turned onto his right foot and he kept two defenders of it, two defenders at bay and, and Southampton you know, defenders are, are canny big and he just, he, he places this shot in off the, across the goalkeeper, in off. I mean it's the only place he could have put it but the fact that he's using strength and protecting the ball to get it onto his favoured right foot to get a shot away against two Premier League defenders, absolutely superb by Jose Perez, amazing and that, you know, that, not only did that placate me but probably most of the the the, the crowd at st james's anyway so <clears throat> honestly wonderful goal and, and credit to hayden for getting that for just being assertive and, and and snapping at them and getting in there and getting stuck in and making it difficult for that midfield to control the game a couple of minutes later we're down the left hand side and we've, we've fed rondon who on his wrong foot you know, and, and you know we saw Almiron really looked up for it, and, and and you know he was getting into you know he was getting into places on the right hand side as well, um, you know dangerous places in the attacking third and getting kind of balls across and dribbling through, you know he's a real thorn in their side before he went off, and I thought his his contribution was really really noteworthy, but it was Rondón who usually is in the in, in the six yard box waiting for the, the the cut back, it's him on his left foot, has the composure and intelligence to glance up and see Perez busting a gut, again that anticipation from the Spaniard, to get into a chance, score an opportunity. And across the six yard box, perfect way to pass, he slid in, it's two nil, he scored two in a couple of minutes, and suddenly Southampton, phew, their heads drop, and for the rest of the half, you know where it just looks completely comfortable in at half time, you're like, this is brilliant, they should be down to, you know, they should be down to 10 men, maybe not um, but we were very very much in control it, it, was, it was similar to the Palace game as I said you know for that first half we were completely dominated however you know and, and, and Southampton I believe like Palace at that time at half time hadn't had a shot on target yet um, so we've we've got at half time very very comfortable still that sense of injustice Rafa would have you know told him to keep it going don't get it complacent Hassenhutl made a couple of changes, so um, Josh Sims came off um, and Armstrong came on. Who you know he's you know he scored a couple of you know scored a couple of times this season already. Quite impressive for for, for a, a young player and <clears throat> you know Danny Ings wasn't was kind of getting sort of bullied out by our defenders, but it was you know Redmond was the one who looked to be dangerous. They did have one sort of counter attack from a from a, you know misplaced pass from one of our players. Where they got it stuck under their feet and the the, the play fizzled out, but there was suddenly there was there was a threat of three players sort of running away and and, and, and that something more meaningful could have kind of coming that, you know I must mention it in, in the first half as well a tackle from Almer on Ward Prowse he was winding up on the end of the box that was fantastic amazing commitment, a defensive commitment commitment certainly and and it stopping a challenge getting a shot in and blocked a you know really really good block an important block. Uh, towards uh, Dubravka's right hand side both in the first half so they were the only times that we looked like we, you know we might be in danger but you know these were like apart from that dumb block tackle most all these shots were kind of outside the chances were sort of outside the box and for them it didn't really change even though they came out and, and as I said um, Armstrong came on for Sims but then I think it was Jack Stevens came off and Lamina so I think Jack Stevens is sort of, you know, he's usually a defender by trade. I think he playing like a defensive midfielder um, position, but Lamine is more of a box to box. He's athletic, he's energetic, and he's he's got good strength. And for whatever reason, he seemed to be the difference. Now I remember in the three 0 last season, um, even though his missed volley then led to that brilliant counter attacking team goal that Kennedy like tapped in at the at the end at the back post. Lamina was one of their most impressive players, and I wondered, you know, he came on and made such a difference to them that you think, well, why, why is he not starting? And maybe they came for a draw, to sit back, to soak up, because you had Romelu and who's a holding midfielder, and then Jack Stevens, who's really a centre back, so you kind of had this protection in front of the back four, but because of those those two goals in two minutes, around the half hour mark. The, the, you know they then brought i guess it was a, a case of you know a bit like newcastle against everton like we just we made some changes and just had to go for it and we we were um we were we were completely overrun by it. and lamina definitely definitely was the difference and it was lamina's ability to breach those lines and get in behind Key and Hayden that really started to cause us trouble and you know he was he was bursting through those lines and he was, it was just making life very, very difficult for us. He was, he was asking questions and he was, he was a constant source of, you know, um, frust- constant sort of niggle a thorn in the side of our team that had previously been un- under control, certainly in the middle of the park. But it meant that, you know, he was breaching those lines, he was getting in behind and, and, and causing problems and absolutely it was a counter attack. You know, we st- we, we, because Southampton started that second half so comfortably and so on the front foot, that we stopped, like you know, we, we were panicking at the back. We were completely panicking. We were, we were, you know, you know, we were, you know, skewing balls off the, you know, off the side of our foot. We were heading them, you know, headers that just went straight up in the air. Like we weren't clearing our lines. We weren't getting the ball down, and we weren't playing the attractive football and confident football, and rel- you know, you know, we weren't as reliable as we had been. In the first half it was it we it was like two completely different football teams had come out, and Lamina seemed to be like the the key difference maker so you know because of that you know he was because he was roaming and moving a lot i don't think we really knew who was picking him up, and he ended up managing to stroke you know their goal past past because of a counter attack that had then gone through. You know, to him to the edge of the box. Like I said, we'd only been limited to, to, to shots outside the box rather than inside the box, but we um, we, we we couldn't stop this. We couldn't stop his goal going in. It got played to him um, on the edge of the box. He opened up his body and he just sort of swept it past De Bravka. There was nobody around him, and it was really really poor. And I think that was around the hour mark. And suddenly, what seemed like a very very comfortable two 0 at half time was suddenly two one. We hadn't had a. We hadn't, we, I don't think we had the ball in, the, in, in their half, and they're attacking. Now we're attacking third, all that sort of third, second half up to that point. And suddenly, we're kind of in trouble. So not only were we kind of under the caution in terms of just like not having any kind of control in that game, we were suffering from injuries, obviously, as I said. Sort of Atsu came on for Almiron. Um, you know, Hayden went off with a knock, um, replaced by Diame, And it was, I think, the Diame substitution ultimately nullified that threat of Lamina who had been left so exposed to be able to just you know stroke that home for a consolation as it turned out to be but it could have been a game changing moment but Army just bulked up our midfield um added some you know some protection in front of our you know back 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 line and Lamina sort of found himself out on the left wing more often than not trying to find the space because Army was in there and sort of getting all up in his business really um so that was a real master stroke from Benitez that sort of a nullified what had been a you know a bit of a master stroke if not maybe too little too late from Hasenhudl but you know the idea was there um and he's he's a great player Lamina I, 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 twice I've seen him both on the losing sides to three goals but the last two seasons but he's he's definitely definitely impressed me Lamina um he just looked a cut above and Shane Long came on for them and you're thinking ah Shane Long's always one of those players that just seems to score against Newcastle he always seems to perform against us he, you know he'll score six goals all season and two of them will be against us you know it was one of those kind of players a bit of like a Lafondra or a Lewis Morte or a Victor Anachibi you know those kind of players that are just very average Cameron Jerome <laughs> really really average players that, that that seem to just excel against us for, for no logical reason whatsoever but they just we we kept them at bay for just about long enough, and it was only like the last ten fifteen minutes obviously Fernandez Federico Fernandez came on for for share, but it was only like the last sort of ten fifteen minutes that we sort of tried to get a bit more of a stranglehold on that second half, which we we'd been completely losing for the, you know the first half an hour of it anyway um, and actually, it was atsu who seemed to be the most um Proactive in that in that second half for us and chasing lost causes and um, harrying defenders in, in possession and just making them and, and and not to say that Almiron hadn't been doing that at all he he absolutely had been but um, you know he, he just had a couple of opportunities to cross it and you know we had chances of our, of our own you know before Almeron had gone off it was a bit of interplay between him and Richie as it had been against. The, uh, for, the, for, the, for the goal at Leicester for Perez's flicked header. Um, and Richie squared it back to Key, who just from the, you know, as we're, as we're looking, you know, as he's looking at it, the left hand side of the box, and he just drives the shot and it thumps off the post. It was so, so unlucky. Unlucky! Yeah, getting that in there really. Sorry, everyone. Um, and then shortly after that, a ball had sort of like been sort of headed out of the box, and Isaac Hayden caught it on the volley. The technique was super, and it he fizzed it towards goal, and I think it took a big deflection, and, and, and you know the, the the goalkeeper to his credit has, has made an incredible reaction save. He's got absolutely no right to save that from what from what I could see. It was it was really really impressive, and I mean I tell you what you know, both of those shots are like, you know inches a foot a foot of half a foot away either side of just being spectacular goals that would have put the game completely to bed. Um, so you know that was when we started to get back into the game, started to believe again, started to get a bit more confident and think actually you know we we can hold out. And as I said, the, a lot of their shots were just shots outside the box. Um, that they were fizzing wide and curling high and wide, and you know to that extent, even when they were inverted commas dominating us, they they, they didn't breach us. Beyond that, Lamina and even the Lamina goal was outside the box. So I mean, playing percentages, you know, it's 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 it, it's going to be it's going to be a, a statistical miracle that they're going to score enough goals in this game from outside the box to get back into it. Ward Prowse had a free kick that could have gone very different, but Dubravka was wise to it, and Yashida even had a couple of opportunities from corners, glancing header that went wide, and another one that Dubravka got down very very well to save as well. So. You know, there was there was chances, there really, really was chances, but the ultimate chance and pretty much the last chance of the game fell to the hat-trick hero, Jose Perez, um who was set up basically by in spectacular, spectacular bravery from Matt Ritchie, who was a warrior today, he was fantastic. Um and he basically inside I mean he was in uncharted territory for him now, he played left back, That he was sort of Centrally inside the box, and he went in for a diving header where he nearly got his face ripped off from a boot, and Josep Perez from close in glanced it in. I've looked at the linesman because i there's no way I'm celebrating what would have been you know what would turn out to be three points if it was if if the if they were ruling it out. But no, Perez has wheeled away. Linesman's running towards the halfway line. Referee satisfied that there's no infringement, um, and and wow. What a what a what what a what a relief! Taking us up, you know, as I said, above Bournemouth now with on on goal difference. There's there's other teams that can leapfrog us from now. But like I say, it's it, to, to think how how many plaudits Bournemouth have received this season. Certainly for their like attacking play, and we've gone out and you know we've we've got some great results. You know we've just beaten you know, Southampton at home and had quite a nervy game in the end you know, Leicester victory last sort of Friday. So, you know, we've, in the last eight days, six points, just been huge. And, 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 and all this stuff about Rafa's contract, we, they need to get it sorted before the end of the season. We need to know, we need to be in a position. I mean, my theory on the Rafa contract, while we're talking about it, is that it's brink, brinksmanship. So the, think about the way we do transfers. Think about how we, we waited till like the last few days before sign, signing Almiron to try and drive the price down and get the very best deal. I don't doubt that we're trying to do the same with Rafa. We're trying to get the very best deal for them, not necessarily Rafa, the club, or the fans. But I think it's brinksmanship because they know how much Rafa wants to stay. The support today was was serenading um, Rafa again. Rafa Benitez, we want you to stay. Shouting his name for large portions of the game, rightly so. You know, he's, he's doing absolutely magnificent things um, at, at, at this football club. And, you know, to, the, the amount of points that we've received, um, you know, um, and Daniel's Storey, um, you know, podcaster and, and writer that I, I respect greatly, he said, the only teams to have taken more Premier League points since the beginning of November than Newcastle will be Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, Man United and Chelsea. Best of the rest. That puts a seventh in the form table um, since the beginning of November. So minus that terrible start that we had, which I attribute to Rafa not even getting the players. That, you know, if you think, Rondon didn't really start. Rondon pretty much missed the first third of the season because he wasn't fit, he wasn't ready. You know, Rafa wanted him before the World Cup. It's, important. It's, it's not only important that Rafa gets you know, the money, or it's, not, it's not about how much he gets, it's about knowing in advance what he has to work with. Who's going to sign it off? Who gets the green light? Because he was supposed to have transfer autonomy, and he hasn't yet. He has to always ask, and you know, this is why previous deals have gone down the pan, the clubs have souped in, because we've dragged our heels as a club. Again, it's this brinksmanship that just doesn't work. You end up losing players for it. It doesn't work. This is why the hierarchy don't understand football. They're not football people. Lee Charney is not a football person. Mike Ashley is not a football person. We need players, we need, sorry, we need people in the board room who understand the game and need to understand that getting Rondon in before the World Cup means that Rafa can get him up to speed on his tactics can get him match fit rather than being in West Brom purgatory as he was, because they didn't know whether to play him in pre-season because they probably suspected he wasn't going to be playing, so why would they? So he had a stuttered pre-season and that affected us. And, and, you know, in terms of Rondon, how important he's been since he's been in the side, absolutely invaluable. These are the margins and these are the decisions that that have cost us. But Rafa Benitez, his genius, papers over the cracks once again now there's going to have to be an end point here that either he gets told he's not he's told the club what he what he what he wants but he's yet to get a response on it. this is like a month later i mean this is absolute survival now so let's get rafa's contract sorted let's know let's have a plan for this rafa always has a plan transfer wise he has to line up deals not knowing if the club's even going to sanction them and guess what most of them they don't it's a complete waste of time and energy and effort that he's trying to do the very best for this football club, but the board just don't want to play. They don't want to play ball. So that's that's the predicament we're in. We need him to have the insurances that he knows. I think he'll stay, but I think it'll be brinksmanship. You will leave everyone sweating. This is Mike Ashley I'm talking about, uh, and it'll just again it'll not be done the easy way. But let's see what happens. Let's see how it unfolds. For now, let's enjoy. Bank holiday weekend win at home in the sunshine at St James's Park. A Josie Perez hat trick, I believe, is first for the club. I might be proven wrong there as well. I've drank a lot of alcohol today. Um, and just just fantastic. Delighted for him. Really, really looking forward to everyone, um, to, to, to rug people on social media saying that now, finally, finally, they've accepted that he's a good player. As if they needed any more convincing before before this hatchery but Christ what a wonderful performance Uh, and a special mention for Paul Dummett as well because I think at the back he was absolutely solid he won loads of headers he was brilliant anticipating Um, I I just thought he was class and he kept uh, he kept Redmond at bay as well um, who I thought like I said was was one of the danger men so big shout out to Paulie D but Jose Perez, of course, gets my man of the match. I've been Adam of the Two Network. Thanks so much for watching and for listening. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Um, rate, like, share, whatever you like to do. Uh, catch us on Twitter and Facebook as well. But that's it for me, Adam of the Two Network. Match report: Newcastle three, Southampton one. What bella! Enjoy your bank holiday, everyone. Bye, see Bye.